What's up, Jay Browns? Live from Toronto, Ontario, in Kansas City, Missouri. This is the Torture Rack Podcast. I am your host, Mark Bask. My co-host is John F. Malta, and we are very happy to be here with you, our friends in wrestling. John, say something. Let the people know you're alive, pal. I don't think anybody in reality calls Missouri, Missouri. Really? Do you think that's how it's really pronounced? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was being, like, super, like, culturally sensitive. I, to, I mean, I know to... we have listeners in Kansas City, so they feel free to write us at hello at tortureact.com, <laughs> but I'm... I feel like that's something that's, it's like, perpetuated in, like, Western movies by, like, Sam Elliott. It makes sense because I actually do watch a lot of Westerns, so I probably heard it in a Western and I was like, god damn, that's there you how go. you say that. Oh, man. Well, now I'm embarrassed. Um, I've, see, but I like that, I feel like it has, like, a nice, t- it's got, like, a nice touch at the start of the episode, though. Like, I, it's like, I don't know. It's like Toronto. You know what I mean? No one says Toronto, they say Toronto. Oh, I so I got in a conversation with someone for a long time about how they knew I was not from Canada because I pronounce it Toronto. Yeah. 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 Well, I didn't want you to think I wasn't from Missouri. You know what I mean? I want to <laughs> just trying to blend in with all the I cowboys down in Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great to know. Speaking of things getting lost in translation, we watched a pay per view last night with some explosions. That were more like sparklers. Yeah, the, the, the explosions got a little lost in translation. All right, let's just get into it. What do you think happened there, John? Do you think that that was what was you, intended? You know, you and Thomas and multiple people, when they announced that we were going to see an exploding barbed wire death match, messaged me about it. I was, I obviously was extremely excited. We were extremely and, excited without really thinking about it, I think. Because like, well, obviously they weren't going to do what they did... Like, in the nineties, yeah, with with Onita, you know what I mean? Yes, no, they and they couldn't. Like it, it's like I don't, I don't know though, because like, like we already knew that because we saw the lights out match and it was like fake barbed wire, so we knew there was going right. to be fake barbed wire, and we like assumed the explosions wouldn't be um, as big. But I thought the explosions on the ropes were, I thought, pretty good. Uh, the first one that I was like, this is a little iffy, is when Moxley DDT Kenny into the like on the. Uh, outside the ring into like the barbed wire thing and the explosion just kind of went off to the side and it was just it was very small and i was like okay that was a little iffy that one looked like it misfired was my was my thought there was not enough smoke uh like whatever they were i and it's like it's impossible to compare them because the like the wild west of 1990s fmw like i'm sure they were able to just do it anything like yeah, based off just... of the yeah like based off of the matches that happened in that promotion and just the visuals from those matches it's like it, lo- Stuff it looks that like Renee a literal, was not like... gonna let her baby daddy do <laughs> right well and like those those old matches like, look like literal like destruction like ex- like uh, like a demolition explosion yes. basically like we're demolishing this vacant building and Onita and Funk or Onita and Sasuke are in the wreckage of you know that and right. the and I will say like that the, up the the whole and I feel like talking from the main event and then kind of going back through we could we, we could talk about a lot of a lot of different things that, on this pay per view because there's some really great things and one of the really great things was the actual match itself yeah um and all of the explosions within the match I was like 
all right, like it's a, it's kind of the same like rule of thumb from the uh, unsanctioned match where it's like, well, we're getting to see these deathmatch aesthetics, but they're not getting hurt. They're not really getting. I don't want. No, I don't want, want them to, to get hurt, but I get do burned. want a little bit more of them pretending that they're getting yes. burned. I thought Kenny doing it with his eyes was really great. Yes. That was really cool. Um, but yeah, what you said about the smoke was really true. Like, if there had been more smoke... Like, a lot of... Just tons of smoke. Tons like, of if smoke. If you watch it... those old GIFs, like the GIFs I've been sending you and Thomas, like yeah. those... It's mostly smoke. And then if they had, like, a sound effect blast or something... Like yeah. it, it does, it's not that it needs to literally be like a uh, like a C four explosive. No, like, I think a little bit of smoke on the outside would have done a great job. Like when he was when when he DDT'd him, um, but it it did seem like the end explosion was just like completely misjudged. Like, yes, the fact that there were even sparklers on the. <laughs> I know we made fun of the sparklers because like that was it, but like why yeah. would they even have been there? Like what is that? Add. what it it really when that happened the fine the countdown well the countdown itself was cool like oh my god what's gonna happen and that's the problem because like the countdown uh for previous exploding matches and then like the, how it like crescendos into this literal demolition it's like wow so that is like mindset wise everyone who's familiar with that is thinking that and then everyone who's not see seen those matches is just thinking this ring's gonna explode it's gonna look nuts yeah and if it had just happened like if good brothers had been in there like beating up mox and then they just jumped out of the ring and then it just exploded and we weren't like kind of anticipating it it would have been at least like it was the fact that it's like literally like let's count down for one minute to this really this huge shitty... blast explosion in a sense it's a little bit of a metaphor for what aw do badly which is kind of get our expectations up really high way too high yes like for not that good i don't know why they hyped up christian that much because i think that was bound to be a disappointment him just showing up would have been a super cool moment and would have gotten everyone talking but announcing it and then him coming made it worse like if they hadn't announced that also if Christian had just shown up on Dynamite, that would have been awesome. And if he had been like, we got a really, really big announcement coming on Sunday, and then Big Show showed up at that pay-per-view, that would have been enormous. So I don't quite know what they were going for there. That like seemed like it was destined to disappoint people. I think it's good to, that that compare. I I agree with that comparison too because I I after now after seeing AEW's version of an exploding death match, it's like. They should have just like the bat spot in that match was awesome. The exploding Super bat, good. yeah, very cool and very well done. Very, very, very incredible visual. Um, if that was a surprise and it was just a barbed wire death match, yes, like barbed that would have been sick. Like exploding like board. It's, like, it was exploding like, board. It was still exploding, but the whole ring match. didn't have to explode at the end. Right. If they couldn't yes. do it, like why did they? do it that was mistake one and then i think mistake two was like once that didn't happen nobody tried to save it at any point i think moxley could have whispered to eddie like didn't go off like act confused or something like that um i think from what thomas said like it looked better from commentary so they didn't know that it was crappy but um i don't know as soon as the audience started booing i probably would have that's what i was gonna say it's the first is it the first boo that AEW has, like... 
I can't believe they got booed on that show because there's so few non-plants there. Like, they can pretty much control the narrative of what they're Right, there's not doing. that many many people there. Yeah. Like, whenever Jungle Boy comes out, like, I know it's most of the people, like, around the ring who are singing, like, oh. Or Judas. Yeah, yeah, Ju- yeah exactly. So they, they, they're pretty good at controlling the narrative. So the fact that boos rained out in that audience... I honestly like it makes me kind of can't wait to see Wednesday <laughs> because I'm like yeah I'm interested to see what to where they go with something. it something they can't WWE would ignore it you know they I mean? will not ignore it they already are not ignoring it from yeah. the media scrums and stuff uh, but what was what was Tony's official word was it that it was a botch or his official no see and that's so that's the thing that it's like well it it was he, he in that media scrum he never says that it was a misfire he says that kenny is really bad at building an exploding ring that's okay, the, so that's that's the narrative gonna, i mean that's better than just ignoring it altogether like saying that you're acknowledging it's happening but you're trying to it works like, yeah you're trying to keep it in kayfabe and then in, in, i think in another instance and i don't know i think this is maybe other talent that are tweeting this out or Someone else in the company tweeted out the Mira. plans being drawn in oh, no no, no oh. being the plans being drawn in crayon, saying what did you expect from this? Like if that like how would you ex- expect an exploding ring to come from these crayon this crayon drawing? Um, yeah, I, this I, is like I, a stick figure drawing. I but that's how that's because he Tony, I felt like in the media call was very uh, defensive of kind of like. He quickly talked about it, and that's how he quickly spun it, was that Kenny is a bad bad at building exploding rings. Uh, which, I like, and it's like, a, oh, and all of this is to say that this is a very small blip on a company that we uh, are huge fans of, and, you know, I don't know, like, I feel like, I, when you and I were chatting earlier, and this morning about this, it's like, the internet is acting like this is the nail in the coffin of AEW, and it's like no, a bad I mean, moment. Like the expl- the, the exploding not, ring at the end was an awful, like maybe the worst ending to a pay per view that I could think of. It's the what, worst I don't ending know, to a pay per view I can think of since uh, Hell in a Cell. Yes, um, I think when... I I can't think of another time like another time where a show ended and it was just like such a wow fire. that was that was bad yeah. like. I think what it is, John, is that you're seeing a bunch of people who are, um, you know, on the internet, there's always just people who are fanatics on either side. I think you're seeing a bunch of AEW fanatics who are like, don't, who aren't able to accept that AEW can do wrong. Right. Get hit with a concrete example of them doing wrong and then just kind of overreacting because of that. Um, it's like yeah. it's, it's like it's certainly it's like the first moment that AW. If this was a duel, they've drawn blood. Like there's a, <laughs> there's like a, a cut on their cheek. They're not yes. dead, and they'll still That's, win. But absolutely. it's like touche. It's like touche. Um, overall, I thought it was a good show. It might be the worst one they've put on, in my opinion. Uh, I think it's either this or Full Gear, and I think Full Gear. Full Gear was mostly worse because of the Harley Cardi. But again, yeah. it's like another kind of... I don't want to spin this all into one thing, but it's like the fact that that Hardy match continued, it's like that was an right. error in judgment. It's like there's they have errors in judgment sometimes, but like they're, they're obviously that one was of, of a much larger um, magnitude because it's like someone's well-being. But I do think like in those moments, 
they're they're not always prepared for like if things go wrong. No, you know, and this is this is one thing that I haven't really read about online and not talked about to you or Thomas yet. But how how are you feeling about these like finishes with Kenny? The first finish I think was good, where Kenny Don cheats and establishes Kenny as a new heel. But how, what about like now the Good Brothers have interfered in the world title match to help Kenny win? I know that it's like a part of the chaos of the death match, like to have interference. But like, I I feel like it is nowhere close to evil territory because it's Kenny Omega, and we know he's capable of wrestling. And within the match, the match up until them interfering and the terrible explosion at the end was in a really great match. Uh, but I feel like, do you, how many more times can we see that happen and it still be, like, just Kenny being a heel? Or will it transition into, like, evil territory where, like, I don't know, it's hard because it's Kenny Omega. And the matches he's having up until that point are really sick. I, I hadn't really thought about it, and but it's, like, actually a really good point. You know, I don't really like screwy finishes all the time. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the interference really... I think there was so, so many ways that you could have done this without interference. I think pretty much they just should have thrown him the bat. He should have hit him with the bat. And then he one wing angled him. But that didn't happen, right? They actually did come in the ring before the ending, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And didn't... was There's like another visual where they like helped Kenny one-winged angel someone really big. Was it Lance Archer? I'm no, not, that doesn't I'm, make I'm sense. I'm not 100% sure what you're talking about, but... Yeah, the Good Brothers interfered in that too. It was Kenny and Kenta versus Mox and Archer. And at the end of that, the Good Brothers come in and help Kenny do a one-winged angel on Lance Archer. So it's like there's this like repeated thing now where they're interfering. And I only thought of it like last night because it was like a really sick match and now the Good Brothers are here. And I like the Good Brothers. Yeah, I mean, when you have like the best wrestler in the world in Kenny Omega to, because he's a heel, he has to cheat is not necessarily what you are going to want to do. Mox is obviously, like, the strongest person they've built up in that company. Like, Mox right. is, like, undefeated. What's um, his power ranking? 97? 99? 97. 97. What's Kenny's power ranking? Oh, gosh. It's, like, both higher and it's lower. I would say 95. Mm. It, because, I agree with that. Because he's never beaten Mox clean. So it can't... It, that can't... Even though he's the champion, he's never beaten Mox clean, he can't go above him. I don't think. Based no. based on the internal logic that they're creating, not me. I'm I'm just following <laughs> I'm just following what they're doing. But um yeah, no, I, I do know what you mean. Like it's it's not an entirely satisfying ending. Um I think Yeah. I, I don't know, just it's been a it's been a point of conversation for us with New Japan and a thing that has a, a thing that like really very much like detracted from Naito's big rain was the amount of interference that happened. And I don't think I, I, I'm not comparing the two right now in that. I think that is what's happening, but I do think like how many times are we going to see that happen where it's like, all right, well this, the best wrestler in the world has to cheat to win all the time now. And I mean, it sort of makes sense because Kenny is in Mox's territory in that, in that, in that match. Right. Which is why I think just like one thing, like they throw him the bat the bat explodes, he hits him, hits him with a one-wing angel, and that's it. That makes sense like, to me. That, you know, because then he, you know, Mox has to say that he lost, but also there's that asterisk where you're like, uh, Kenny didn't, didn't quite do it 
Alone. Even though it was no DQ, he didn't quite do it alone. He still needed a little bit of help. But at the same time, it's like he's just adapting to the situation. Right. Um, so I think that that would have been a little bit better. I, I do think that the, the Eddie Kingston angle was so good of him running out and like shielding Mox. Like, that's such a good idea for how to kind of move forward and perhaps give Ke- uh, Eddie a little bit of a face turn. It is it is a shame how spectacularly that <laughs> <I> failed. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks, man. Like, it sucks. Like, I, I woke up this morning and thought about, like, how I texted, like, my friend who I always try to get into EW. Like, oh, man, exploding barbed wire deathmatch tonight. It's going to be, be so crazy. sick. Yeah. And then if he fucking, like, looked that up or, and just saw, like, that explosion, then he would just, like, totally make fun <laughs> of me. So it's just, like, you know, I don't know. I see it from, from different angles sometimes. Overall, it's still an enjoyable show. Like, I still love AEW. I still think that AEW is, like, hasn't quite figured out pay-per-views yet. I sent you our, like, kind of rankings of all the, the pay-per-views we've seen so far in, in AEW. Right. And I did I did notice they, they, they used to do seven match cards, and now they do nine match cards. And I think it was a little bit better when they were seven match cards. But I totally understand why they feel like they, they have such a huge roster. You know, they already are doing great dynamites. They have to give you the bang for the buck. But um, I, I definitely see like more filler matches in the in the more recent pay per views versus like a little bit of the older ones. Yeah, I I, I so like in re- retrospect, thinking about because we were talking about kind of this before we even looked up our rankings, where like I remember the we have talked about this before, but the first full gear, both of us throughout the whole undercard were like, this is the same thing as dynamite, like. I, I remember both of us really feeling that like we, this was the first time we paid a lot of money for a pay-per-view ever. And we were, and it was feeling a lot like dynamite. And then Cody versus Jericho happened and Mox versus Omega on sanction happened. Yeah. And afterwards we were both like, wow, that was, those two matches were worth it. And then the undercard was a fun addition to those two matches. It was built almost like a UFC card where it's like, this is right. the like, prize fight like this is like the top card and then the undercard's gonna be fun like good action maybe not the most outstanding like stories or well feuds. on all out on all out 2019 we give 4.5 5 and 4 on one card that's all out 2019 so that one that was a an exceptional show if you look at um Double or Nothing, 2020, 5, 4.5, 4.25, 4.25, 4.25. I think it's like there's an understanding that there will be probably at least four outstanding matches on the card. Like, that's yeah. that's my feeling. I want to see four, like, at least four-star, like, excellent matches. And if I look at the card last night, four, four were our two highest matches. After that, 3.75. 3.5 there wasn't 3.5. enough like last night for me there was not enough single like high stakes singles matches my favorite match of the night overall was hikaru shida versus ryo mizunami and i know there were aspects of that that you didn't like but like overall just like that that match that's like a title defense that i was waiting for shida to have like that was a memorable match because I, it I happened last like, night, but like also because it, it was a sick match. There was is like a ten year build. Like Ryu, dude, Ryu's leg drops. Rio Rio's awesome. 
Like don't are so insane. She's like it's I... like the the gravity and force that like comes down with her leg drops is like. And later in the show, we're going to talk about the the AW uh, Women's Eliminator Tournament and get 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 into more of that. But yeah, no, absolutely. I thought it was I thought it was a really good match. I think what was happening was just there were some botches on the show that were kind of kept taking me out. Um, there was just a moment in that where um, Cheetah goes to pick up Rio for the Falcon Arrow and like very nearly drops her on her head, and I just was like, oh man, she just blown up. Like she should not try to lift rio again and then when she went to lift her again i was like why are you doing this like don't don't do this and then she like basically dropped her rio um you know covered for her very nicely and like made it look like a, like she i thought it was a reverse a DDT. DDT. yeah that's what i thought had happened when i was watching it i didn't realize yeah. see and i you could very it just was something that that just took me out. It wasn't like I was like, oh, fuck this. I just was like, <laughs> I was worried. I was like, Ugh. it's just that feeling that you have where you're just, where you're taken out of something. It's like when you're watching a play and you think they might forget a line. Right. You Or you think they did forget a line. You're like, oh. It was just a, a moment of that just took me out, kept me from, from giving it like just sort of the highest grades. I did not think it was as strong as some of the other uh, matches in the tournament. Um Oh, like overall, that that's interesting. Yeah, I I don't know. I just I really really love Sheeta as a performer and wrestler, and she just has this intensity, and it's nice to see her paired up against someone that also has that, but in a different way. Uh, and I don't know. Yeah, I I hope Rio Mizunami is a part of AEW for a while now. Um, totally. I also agree that it was match of the night. By the way. <laughs> yeah, like, like it, and and that was really good. That's like what I I don't know. Like it's. A lot of the the matches on this card were there's like the ladder match, which I felt like was not very strong and kind of weird. The ladder match just didn't really gel. It was hard yeah, to see. Yeah, it's a why. weird mix of people. I I think also having like the ladder match and the battle royal tag team battle royal felt like too many gimmick matches. On yeah, one it did. Card, um, and I thought the battle royal was was better. It was pretty funny though how they just like literally just did a royal rumble. Like with tag teams, like they they've never done that right. before. It usually is an actual battle royal, or it's like four people come out at once. So right, it's the like, casino because they called it the casino tag team. Did they call it that too, or no? Just I don't know. Um, at one point, I think it was Jr. or somebody called it the Casino Royale, which I thought was <laughs> really funny. I thought <laughs> Daniel Craig was going to be the uh, last entrant. I think because um, that's like what they called it before to do that like staggered entrance, like four yeah. people at a time. But, like, having just, like, every 30 seconds, like, two more people come in, that was just, like, straight up a Royal Rumble. It was fun, though. I, I really enjoyed the Tag Team Battle Royal a lot. Yeah, that, that was, yeah, it was, yeah, that was really good. I thought Young Bucks and Jericho versus MJF was, you know, quite good. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Jericho and MJF as a, as a tag team, but I'm interested to see what's going to happen with them and, the, and like, uh, the inner circle coming from here. Especially since Sammy's going to do, like, a face turn. Um... Dude, I totally. really just would have dropped off Hangman Adam Page and Matt Hardy and Miro and Kip Sabian versus Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. Just put that onto Dynamite. Miro looking were... like a beast on pay-per-view, though. That, that Miro was probably his best performance yeah. so far. Post-WWE, for sure. Yeah, I really, I feel bad, but I just, like, could not care less about him and Kip Sabian together. Like, I just want to see Miro just absolutely tear it up. <laughs> but that's, yeah. I like I like him as like a sidekick to Miro. I don't know. I think that the the three work together well. 
Miro, yeah. Penelope, and Kip Sabian. I, but see, I think they would work way better like if it was done the way they did last night, where it, Miro is this absolute destroyer and Kip kind of just like shit talks. Like, right. And then on the other side of that, Penelope is destroying and ripping it up in the women's division, and Kip is basically the valet to the two of them. Yeah, it, it, it more feels at this point like Miro is the valet to Kip and <laughs> Penelope, which is like not not how I would book that. No, but, uh, I, I agree. I But see, I like the pairing. I just think, yeah, it needs to be presented like it was last night. Oh, sorry, we were going to say something? Oh, I was just going to, I was going to talk about the, um, the cinematic match, which was, I thought was fun. I, I thought it was fun to see Sting when he was actually in the match and not his stunt double. What do you mean a stunt double? There was definitely some fake Stinger in there for a hundred percent sure. You think so? I think so. Yeah. I didn't even occur to me that that could happen. I I I liked I liked it was it was fun it was like I'm getting tired of cinematic matches I'll be quite honest with you like this and like the the Britt Baker like dentist match I think this was probably the best one like this was better than Elite Deletion way better than the the dentist match this was probably the best one they've had since Stadium Stampede but like not even close to the same level as Stadium Stampede like yeah like and you pointed this out but. Like, I forgot that Stadium Stampede was not... Was a cinematic match. What was a cinematic match? It was... I th- I, there was a point where we were talking t- with Thomas, and I thought that the cinematic... Ma- or, sorry, the Stadium Stampede had happened just as the pay-per-view had happened. And then, like, obviously backtracked and remembered, like, Jericho posting we filmed this over, like, eight hours or something like that. Like Yeah, because uh, like, that's, that's how you could protect Sting, is just by having, like, a... A, a match that looks... Stuff. Like, because was, was Best Friends Street Fight, was that a cinematic match, too, or no? no? That was live. Ooh. I think that might have been cinematic, too. Yeah, that was cinematic. Yeah, or but again, like that doesn't... Yeah, but that doesn't... Oh, my gosh, you're right. Yeah, I guess that would have sure been. Pretty sure it was. But, it, like, that doesn't occur to me as one, because it feels like a match. Those, those are the cinematic matches I enjoy the most, that just kind of, like, are able to hide, that they film this over a while, maybe protect a guy who's, you know, like Sting, who, you know, don't want him to get killed. Um, but the the filter on it, it's not really my aesthetic. I'm just like, okay, I don't know. I personally enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I seeing Sting in a wrestling ring, well, in a, like a simulated fight, was interesting. Um, and I think like that match, like that did what the cinematic matches should do, which is like, like push the reality of the situation where Darby's doing like an elbow drop into an abyss. And we're not seeing the end of it. Like I, yeah. li- I like those aspects of a cinematic match if you're going to do it that way. But that being said, I also prefer like Stadium Stampede, Best Friends, Street Fight, of course, uh, to these kind of like almost like. See, the problem is, is because it's like so that I do feel like the Sting Darby one was done really well. But like you and I both were not fans of the um, any of most of the ones that WWE has done. And a lot of the ones like that the Undertaker has done have felt. Has he only done one? And the, is that true? Has he, he yeah, a, he just did the. It uh, seems like he's done like five. It seems like he's done like five of them. <laughs> it's because be Bray Wyatt it, the, it, it does right. a bunch. Of, so yeah. all of those feel like bad TV show. Yes. Like horror, or like weird horror. Like those feel that way. This did not feel that way. I felt. I, yeah, I would say yes. I would agree with you. It was better than that, 
and worse. Still not ideal, though. Like, I would rather just see a wrestling match. Like, or a street fight in the way that the best friends had a street fight. Yeah, or, like, just, like, a match. Yeah, a match between the two of them where um, Sting does, like, one bump, like, outside the ring. Like, it's, like, Derby versus um, Cage, and then Ricky Starks tries to get involved, and then Sting just does something sick. Yeah, well, it, in in the the media scrum, Big Show, Paul White mentions that he would like to have a match with Darby, and that's like his top person to have a match with, and that would be that would, cool. That would be and awesome. I think, like to what you're saying, yeah, like p- pairing someone like that up with someone that will protect them, like how they kind of walked back Goldberg and Undertaker by doing Goldberg and Dolph, and then they actually right. kind of had a match, and the match was actually, like, not bad. Like, the Dolph-Goldberg match was fine. I remember both of us feeling like this is going to be awful, and then it was, like, actually, like, not bad. Uh, and then I think in, in that instance where you're using people who are over 60 years old, it's, like, pair them with Phoenix or, you know, Darby or someone that can just, like, basically use them as another thing to jump off of. Uh, yes, great point. I feel like that's how you should use those kinds of... Legends, I don't know, yeah, I guess it's, like, kind of what you were saying, where it's, like, you would rather see it as, like, a reg- sort of, like, backstage fight. That It's kind of, like, how I was feeling with... I think that's why I like Ryu and Sheeta so much, because it was just a wrestling match and with no, like, gimmicks or, like, nothing else happening. It's just, like, this is two people in a ring wrestling. Absolutely. And I, that's why I loved the, the Women's Eliminator Tournament so much. It was so great. But, you know... I think also just like nothing on this card came close to the main events that we've been seeing on Dynamite lately. If I can be quite frank with you, like the like Phoenix and uh, Pack John Moxley super card. Oh my gosh! Like yeah, the Good Bros true. and Kenny Omega. Like that shit was awesome. I think we've just been a little spoiled. It's just hard, man. It's it's hard. Like when I spend fifty bucks on a pay per view, um, and I. I, you know, I'm not super enthusiastic going in. Like, you know, I, I cared only really about a couple matches. I told you guys I cared about, like, six. I cared about, like, two matches, really. Like, really was I invested in seeing them? The women's match and the main event. Those were the ones that I was like, I'm fucking psyched to see them. The other ones I was, like, cautiously optimistic. I was like, oh, Sting, that could be fun. Um, and, you know, it was it was fun. But, yeah, it's it, it's just hard when you, when you spend that much money on something. You're just... You, you just, you look at it differently. And I also think that the AEW pay-per-views are, for, for my liking, an hour too long. You know me, I, I've been loving the recent WWE two and a half hours ones. Like, those have been going down really easy, I gotta say. <laughs> so, four hours is a little much. Right around three, I think is like a sweet spot. Like three, a little bit more than that. But once I'm hitting three and a half, I'm starting to be like, okay, we could probably cut. And you know what? If every match feels like it should be on this card... I probably wouldn't complain, but it's just when a match comes up and I'm like, I would have rather seen like FTR versus Jurassic Express on that card. For example. See, and I do agree with that, but last night, as much as there were some things that I didn't care for, I actually felt like it went by pretty fast. Um, I don't know if you had a different experience than me, but it didn't feel too long to me, even though it was there, longer. It wasn't that it felt long. It's just, there was a stretch of really underwhelming things like pretty much as soon as the women's match was done you know we had the Miro Miro. and Orange Cassidy didn't really care for that 
Adam Page and Matt Hardy did not care for that. Same. Uh, yeah. The surprise with Christian, I was like, okay, who cares? Face the Revolution ladder match with, like, again, the <laughs> Ethan Page surprise, I was like, okay. Then the cinematic match, I was like... I remember feeling... The, yes. Can we just get to this? So I didn't feel that way when we got to the cinematic match, but I felt like, how is there only one match after this? Like, I thought that... I felt like, as much as you were saying we didn't need... We didn't need a lot of the matches that we saw, but I did feel like once we got to the cinematic match, it felt like, well, now let's move on to the main events after the cinematic match. What's going to be like before Mox and right. Omega? I, I, I honestly think what it was, it, it wasn't the fact that there were some weaker matches, because if you look at these rundowns I've given you, there's weaker matches in every card. It's just like, like I said, usually there's a few just like absolutely outstanding matches. On right. The card. Like... If we go to full gear, we have an A match between Omega and Hangman and Page, an A match between Darby Allen and Cody Rhodes, an A match between Young Bucks and FTR, and like a A minus match between Moxley and Eddie Kingston. All of those are super strong. All Out, which we did not like that much, only had two matches, three matches above the four Young Bucks Jurassic Express, four FTR versus Cowboy Bebop. 4.25, Mox versus MJF, 4.25. So not the not the strongest. If we go back to Revolution, uh, which we talk about as like maybe one, one of the best, best ones, right? Yeah. Sammy Guevara versus Darby Allen, 4.25. Cowboy Bebop versus Young Bucks, 5 stars. Pac versus Orange Cassidy, 4.5 stars. Moxley versus Jericho, 4 stars. So it's like, I just think if there's a, if there's a couple, like here, All Out 2010, Pac versus Kenny Omega, 4.5. Uh, the Cracker Barrel Clash, 4.5. Young Bucks versus Leech Bros. Escalera de la Morte, 5 stars. Jericho versus Hangman Adam Page, 4.5. 5 stars. It's almost like, like they should have... Well, they definitely needed more, like, like stronger matches, but, like, like yeah, Ryu and Shida, I feel like, could have gone on second last. Yeah, I agree. It would have made the start of the card very weak, like, if we go from... But it would have felt like a progression from like undercards to main card. That yeah, I guess that like New Japan has that perfected for sure. Like the first yeah. match is the most insignificant match that has no story implications. It's usually a young lion match where Suzuki comes in and beats them to death, or you know they have a slightly competitive match with someone like Makabe, and then you know you get the tag matches, the never belt, and slowly yeah. builds up to the main. They typically main build it, whereas. WWF always wants to do, like, a fucking nothing match right before the main event. Right. Cool everyone down before the big... The cooler, <laughs> the yeah, match. the cooler match. Before the big yeah. match. Um, AEW doesn't doesn't quite do that. Uh, There's not really a formula matches. apart from just, like, the world t- title being last, usually. I think the, the formula that works is when they have four great matches. <laughs> yeah. And if there's any less than that, it starts to feel like... A, a supersized dynamite. And I mean, going through the card, there's a lot of stuff that would be fine on dynamite. Miro's match, Hangman's match, the battle ro- tag battle royal, the ladder they match. They just did a tag battle royal like two weeks ago. Well, and the ladder match just did not click totally. Yeah, really, it was like a two match card with a bunch of other random stuff on it. Yeah, um, it's. Yeah, if a couple of the matches had been a little stronger, it would have felt like a pretty good pay per view. It just like. I, I do, like, for me, this was not, like, a card that I was ex- excited about. I was excited that there was a card. 
that there was a pay-per-view. Right. Not that this pay-per-view was happening. Um, and I, to me, I think that sort of bared out. I definitely think uh, whatever the next pay-per-view is, what, what comes after? Double or nothing in May. Double or nothing. I'm, I'm certain that will be excellent. Like, I'm, I'm certain of it. I just think that this was, uh, didn't have any matches that I was just, I, like, I was so excited for, like, FTR versus Young Bucks. I was and so I mean, I personally excited. was so excited for the main event. But I really, yeah, I mean, my expectations were way blown out of proportion just for my own personal fandom of the history of the, that type of a match. So, like... Actual question. Do you, do you think that that match is going to, like, have rewatch value? No, I was gonna say that this is one of the one of the pay per views that I don't know that I would like really rewatch very much of it. Like I definitely would rewatch Shida versus Ryu because also I actually was gonna rewatch it today before this. I just didn't have time uh, because I wanted to see like the spots you were talking about. Just because I I r- really was just engrossed in their both their performances and didn't really like pick up on yeah, that. It's just one of those things um, that if you just if you if you if you notice it like you notice it. It wasn't again. It wasn't that it, like I was like so unprofessional. I just like it just <laughs> took me out. Just yeah, took me no, out. In totally. The same way that. During the tag team battle royal, when I can't remember who it was, someone gave a Hurricane Rana. Marco Stunt gave Uno, Uno uh, yes. Hurricane Rana. He paused for one full second on the apron before throwing himself into the corner. It's like he made two mistakes there. One of them was not doing the move, and then one of them was still doing the move. <laughs> it was like <laughs> if he didn't do it, he should have just not done it. It's like right. you can't not do it and then go, oh shit, I missed it. Well, better still do it. And I know that that's like a, a split second. He wasn't actually making these decisions, but yeah, it was just a, it was a little bit of that. Dude, on that guy. was so goofy. Yeah, <laughs> just a little uh, bit of like you fucked up and now oh you're gonna sell it. It's like it's like Eddie. It's like oh you're not gonna get up. Okay, Mox is gonna get up and give a promo, and you're still gonna like lay there like <laughs> anything happened to you. All right, that's interesting. Seems like you could have called an audible at any point, but yeah, it was a it was a pretty good show. Um, we're just we're spoiled by by excellent wrestling on on Dynamite, and I do think they could have built this card a little bit better. But um, I certainly don't think like this is the moment that AEW jumps the shark. Um, it's just I think they they're they're certainly not infallible, and I think that there's there's certain things they still have have to learn. But uh, you know, so, still obviously my favorite promotion. And the stuff that I'm most excited to watch on a, on a week-to-week basis. So, Yeah, it's kind of like we've been talking about. It's like we all are going in. We're all paying like $50 to see this thing. So it's like, this is going to be the best pay-per-view ever. Like, like, we're going in with that mentality. And so our expectations are also high. And then on yeah. top of that, AEW builds our expectations to be high. Where they throw out a surprise signing where people are saying maybe John Cena is going to show up. It's like... <laughs> I remember Thomas was saying Brock Lesnar. I was and like, Lesnar, CM Punk, like all I, these I people. I knew it like, couldn't be that good because literally they would want that money. Like I know you said, like, oh well, Tony Khan's not like he's not like a normal businessman. Like that dude's a billionaire. Like he's gonna make money where there's to be made money. It's a it business. is that is a good point. Yeah, like if you have any of the people we just named, they do a debut before the pay per view, so you know they're on the pay per view. Yeah, like a hundred percent, and. Someone like Christian's not going to increase the, like... No, it's like, the surprise, the idea that there's a surprise is actually better than the surprise itself. And then it was a misdirect, because the best surprise of the night was Maki Ito showing up on the pre-show. So true. I fucking love, I love Maki Ito. John, uh, why don't we go back in time and uh, talk about 
couple of the other things we watched, including Bloodsport 5 and the AW Women's Eliminator Tournament. Sounds like a plan, my friend. I watched Bloodsports 4 and 5. John only watched uh, 5. We'll talk about... We don't have to talk about 4 that much, John. Uh, I I thought, like, front to back, like, every match was good. I love these pay-per-views. They're, like, quick and dirty. They're 90 minutes. They feel like... Uh, they feel like shoot matches, honestly. Like they feel yeah. more like shoot matches than they do like wrestling matches. Obviously, they have like more wrestling finishes, but they do a really good job. Like it's the exact like you know not to use a, a stupid example, but it is the literally the exact opposite of like Raw Underground, which is just a bad rip off of this. But uh, right, yeah, yeah the- it's it's definitely it's like it's Pancrase in twenty twenty one. Totally, it's great. Yeah, I was I was gonna say what the standout matches were, but literally. I, I, I can't think of any that weren't, like, Calder McCall, Royce Isaacs, uh, Alex Coughlin, J.R. Kratos, Alex Edwards, Cal Jack, Tankman, uh, Davey Boy Smith, Dickinson, Jeff Cobb. The main event was, like, fantastic. But uh, a lot of these people, uh, in fact, I would say most of these people fought uh, on Bloodsport 5. So we can talk about that if you want. Yeah, it's an interesting... Um... Like, I know that, like, the first time we watched Bloodsport for the show, you pointed out that it, it was probably the highest rated show, like, for at least me personally. Uh, and yeah. I think that's that's true. Like, I don't know. It's just that it hits the right, like, it's, like, strong style wrestling. And then, like, yeah, a lot of, like, map-based stuff. But that, and then, like, worked professional wrestling as well. Like, especially with, like, incorporating, like, people like Mox into it. Um yeah, I really, really enjoyed Bloodsport. Just 5. like it's like wrestling without ropes, basically. It's like what yeah. would you do if there was no ropes? Like you couldn't, <laughs> you couldn't. Yeah, you do can't a throw spin. an Irish whip. What would happen? Yeah, you can't like like a. I would say like a, a like a running lariat is kind of out of the question at that point. You know what I mean? <laughs> How weird probably... would that look? Yeah, I guess like the, like running. There's I think like Mox probably threw a running knee in that match, but like yeah, yeah, like a uh, running clothesline would look really weird in a Bloodsport ring. Any um, any any standouts from uh, Bloodsport Five? Like any uh, either matches or uh, performers that caught your eye? Good question. You know who one person that hasn't like has st- stood out on every Bloodsport that I really had no interest in prior to, is Simon Grimm. I'm like always uh, always I guess not always surprised now, but I'm just surprised by like oh wow his presence. He he slots into the uh, bloodsport sort of aesthetic really well, and yeah, he does. His matches are always good, and on the on bloodsport five, he fought he faced uh, Rocky Romero. I really like Rocky that. Romero. Yeah, that was a, that was actually one of the best matches of bloodsport five, and Rocky Romero was really great to see him. He's one of our favorite New Japan commentators, definitely. I mean, I can only speak for myself, but uh... yeah, he's great. And I, at the start of this match too, there was like. Quite a, and that happened quite a bit throughout this sh- the show. People were wrenching like a one-legged Boston crab, and it just looked so painful. Like, yeah. I don't know. There's sometimes where submissions we've talked about this a few times where submissions just kind of look like you're they're standing, sit, they're sort of resting in the position, almost like a rest hold. Yeah, but like totally. for some reason, the way that they were like they were like picking, almost like it looked like they were like moving the leg out of place with the way that they were bending it, and. Yeah, especially I, in this match. Uh, I think there's like there must be so much variance like of of the people when they're talking about 
going like going into the match when they're where they're like so how real do you want to do this like i bet that's a conversation oh yes i have. think for sure yeah that's that i feel like i heard that in moxley's voice because you know moxley is like riding the line of it being real like actually throwing some real stuff and then yeah you know because there's there is real stuff in there there's no way there's not real yeah. stuff i don't think it's all real stuff uh but I, I do think, like, the submissions are, are submissions. Like, I think, like, when you're Simon Grimm, you're like, I want to feel pain during this match. Yes. Yeah, totally. And I think you're kind of getting adrenaline and energy from it, especially when you're in an totally. empty room. It's like you need something I, to sort of, like, kind of keep you going. Yeah. And I think it's sustainable because the matches are, like, five to ten minutes long. Absolutely. They're not, like, 30 minutes long where you have to, like, keep going through this pain and stuff like that and maybe getting your leg broken or something <laughs> you know what i was wondering while we were watching this match specifically uh how you feel or how you felt about this did you know rocky as a commentator first or a wrestler first commentator so did it take you a minute to adjust to him as a wrestler or have you were you just as soon as he starts wrestling you're just like that's rocky's wrestling now well i just i've never seen him was uh, this the first time you saw him wrestle ever yeah Really? Well, we yeah. watched him in like uh, tag matches and stuff on like old Wrestle Kingdoms. We've seen. Well, him Well, I guess stuff. this is the first time that I like since I really register who he is as a person that I recognize him wrestling. Like I don't mm. remember seeing him wrestle before. I'm sure I. I have. guess this is a little different then because it's probably just like I mean because it's blood sport, so the presentation is a little like it's like you would just accept whoever's coming into blood sports. Like okay, this person's supposed to be here right now. Like yeah, I was a little me... surprised when I heard he was fighting but then i was like i'm sure he's gonna be awesome <laughs> yeah he's he i just sometimes i asked that because like it did when i first i think i first discovered rocky as a commentator uh and then wrestler second um like i think back when uh rapungi 3k was first forming was like when i first started to see rocky be and even then rocky was very heavily involved as like a manager on a manager level with show and yo um but yeah, he he's such a sick wrestler. Uh yeah, and he was it, awesome. it was cool to see him in this this uh setting. He he's all over the place. Like he's um he's in Bloodsport, he's commentating for New Japan, he's uh on uh Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson's shows. Like yeah. cool cool to see him pop up everywhere. And then he, he won with an arm bar. Uh <laughs> I was expecting Simon Grimm to win that match. Um that uh, so was so was I actually. And the win kinda came out of nowhere. It did come out of nowhere. It was just like, but I, I like when the matches end like that. When just Same. suddenly, like someone like wrenches in a sub, and it's like, oh, okay, I'm I'm out because that's what it would be like if you were in the submission. You wouldn't be like Shawn Michaels, like ah! <laughs> for like ten minutes, making like, sure the camera's the perfectly road. framed. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Hang on, we gotta um, move this. We gotta switch this. This is not a hot, the hard cam. Um, okay, well, not to jump ahead. Do you mind if I jump it. ahead yeah, a jump little ahead. bit? To, yeah, yeah. Um, because I was gonna say, I think we maybe we're predicting that Mox would be taking some losses uh, before he goes off to be a dad. Right. Um, and so far, both of the matches that he has fought that we've seen two out of three so far, he has, he has won. I mean, it's pretty, seems pretty obvious. He's going to lose against Kenny Omega at the at revolution. Yeah. I don't think he's winning that. He beat Davy boy Smith here, which I, I wasn't surprised. Um, but were you surprised that he uh, beat Kenta at uh, NJPW new beginning USA? No. Uh, okay. I, I, I could, <laughs> well, next but, question, yeah. moving on. <laughs> um, the only reason being is that like Meltzer wrote, uh, about how 
Moxley was the one that was one of the cruxes of the partnership between AEW and New Japan. He said, and he he was quoted as saying something like, "I would have never imagined John Moxley would be the one to like to be the like sort of factor that engenders this partnership." Because uh, it's so funny, and, like when you say Mox, it doesn't seem weird at all. But if you said Dean Ambrose, I'd be yeah. like, "That's fucking weird." Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I, and with that in mind, it's like, well, if they feel that way and this partnership is brand new, Mox is not going to drop it. And yeah. And I think they've proven that they're comfortable with the, with the, uh, U S title not being defended that often. Yes. And just, I don't know, Moxley having it, it adds, even if he's not defending it, people, people t- are talking about how he's not defending it. So that's happening. And then when he does defend it, it does make it, it's like a Brock Lesnar scenario, basically. Yeah. Um, where it's like, okay, this is a title defense. We need to pay attention. Um, so his match against Kenta was very good, very hard hitting. It was like 15 minutes long. And when it ended, I was like, oh, I could have watched that for about 10 more minutes. And, yes, uh, I felt that way too. Yeah, I felt a little short for how long they've been building this. Yeah, well, I think the thing is, is like a lot of the energy and excitement uh, happened on Dynamite. And then the fatal four-way happened between Kenny, Archer, Mox, Kenta. And I feel like that, to me, was like, this is what we've been waiting for. Like, Kenta's diving off the stage. Was it through a table, okay, too? Okay, yeah. Uh, Let's talk about that. Let's talk about AW a little bit. That's a yeah. great transition into that. Um, one of the best matches I've ever seen on AW happened uh, over the last couple weeks. Uh, Kenny Omega and Kenta versus John Moxley and Lance Archer. Dude, that match was insane. And yeah, just that. That's that moment that I just pointed out. Like I feel yeah. like that was like that energy there. It's like there is a year's worth of waiting to fight this person. It came out in that match. And even just yeah. the start of that match where they do the mid-match highlight reel and they show like just the various wrestling moves all four of them are like causing in ring like with like a chair there's like a couple of a, a, a knee, a couple of knees, some really hard strikes. Like, it, it was, yeah. it was like this is the match we've been waiting to see. Basically, I, I think that's what it is. Dude, you're totally right. And then when we do finally get to the new Japan Strong match, uh, yeah, it's just like it was good, but it was like not. It, it just didn't have the same energy that 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 match did and i think part of it is that it was like not a like falls count anywhere brawl um but also it's just like that 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 energy i think was there for the dynamite match it was really good yeah moxley on this like sort of um is on, is, is on a tear once again he's like continuing it's like you know obviously he's not gonna per- maybe he will permanently just be this way now until retirement like he's just gonna continue to like He's not the champion of AEW anymore. He has the U.S. title, but he still somehow is like ripping it up everywhere. Bloodsport. He's. I think him and Cody will be similar because Cody is another person who's like probably not going to challenge for the AEW title for a very long time, if at all, because he has like lost that match where he's not allowed to. I'm sure eventually he will. Like they'll find a way around that um, yeah. because it was just like his honor, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like it's like a built-in, like whenever he wants to turn heel, like that, like just writing himself to Ooh, challenge is perfect. Dude. I feel like that's the future for sure. And then he dude, wins. another great and, call. Yeah, like, you know, people are pissed. A couple like uh, really great Dynamite episodes over the last uh, o- over the last month. Um, I feel like we've been really spoiled for the main events. 
uh, like we said, like the match that I just mentioned, uh, which was Kenny Omega and Kenta versus Mox and Archer. That was incredible. John Moxley, Phoenix, and Lance Archer versus Butcher, Blade, and Eddie Kingston. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like Moxley, Phoenix, and Lance Archer is like, that's like the Avengers of, <laughs> of like wrestlers. <laughs> that's like, that's yeah. some crazy super team. Yeah. It's like, that's the all-star team. That's like, that's like Bulls 94. Right. Yeah. That's what it seems like. Totally. Uh, um, so freaking cool. And then, uh, last week, uh, Phoenix versus Lance Archer, uh, for the face of the, uh, revolution, revolution, ty- uh, ladder match, la- the last, or one of the last spots. Uh, that was in- absolutely incredible. Like they, they absolutely ripped it up. You know, it's just like when you get that idea of like, you know, there was like the SmackDown six or whatever. You probably never even heard of that, but in like the, the mid two thousands, there was just like a series of wrestlers who just were like the people who like put on great matches every week. And they right. Like, I've read that term online, but yeah. yeah. So, and then when you see these, you're like, Oh shit. Well, Phoenix is one of them for sure. So is Lance Archer and like, and Moxley and just basically all these Kingston, people. Who are, yeah. Yeah. Who have been involved in this. They've just been all putting on these Pack. great matches. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Anyway, I just, I love dynamite so much the it's... way I love Will Ospreay. I love <laughs> Oh man. He's just so cool. <laughs> he's so I missed cool. Him. <laughs> dude yeah we, that's like that. that's a great the great throwbacker thing to point out mark and i both have been laughing really hard because on this the last episode if you go back and to the new japan chunk and listen to mark talking about will osprey he just sounds i don't know it's so funny like so genuine like so genuinely in love such a little kid yeah. like oh i missed him so like he's my dad oh, and he's god i just while. missed him so much <laughs> I was gonna cry. Yeah, we genuinely were so happy to see him again. I genuinely, Um, absolutely was. Um, Yeah, so Dynamite's been awesome, and another thing that's been awesome has been the AW Women's Eliminator Tournament. I feel like uh, we've been very critical of the women's division, as has everybody, uh, since the beginning. I think there was like a a weird mix of like um, the Joshi wrestlers they they brought over a lot who, who weren't used to working sort of the American style. Versus maybe people who are like a little little bit green, you know, especially being on like national TV. Um, and, you know, obviously there's been a lot of uh, injuries over the last like year. Like there's several people who were out. Britt Baker was out for a while. Um, Statlander is still, still out. Yeah. Um, so like a lot of unfortunate injuries. And then, you know, Riho was like stuck in Japan because of COVID. Um, but it really feels like they were like very slowly building their women's division. Uh, ran some really great wrestlers. Uh, Sheeta, Nyla Rose, getting some of those NWA wrestlers, uh, Thunder Rosa and the current NWA NWA Serena Deep. Deep. Yeah. And, um, now when they, and, and, and getting Britt Baker back is like an absolutely great, like just like main event heel, like just app. She's been absolutely killing it. Doing that. And then announcing this eliminator tournament and seeing that we were getting these like eight Japanese wrestlers at all. It was like, okay, hesitantly, I think they fixed the entire division. Like, I think this is it. Like, <laughs> if this tournament goes the way I think it's going to go, and I, I think it's going to go this way, I think they fix the whole, the, the, the division. And if they sign a couple of these wrestlers, who they've now taken the time to introduce, I think it's smooth sailing. Because, like, this entire tournament was was awesome. There was no, there was no weak matches. Not every match was, like, the, like as great as some of them. I will say though, like the reason, like you, you, it's cool to hear how excited you are about it, and I obviously am too. But I, you know, it's, I think, the thing is though, like apart from the fact that there are like 
more standout women's wrestlers now we're just actually it's like over this with this within this tournament we are just actually getting to see the women wrestle like i feel like that's been one of the main like it's like how are we going to get engaged with all of these performers when Sheeta still Sheeta has the longest title reign in AEW with the least there's no memorable stories i would i I don't know is there can you think of a memorable story at this moment that Sheeta has been been a part of like that Sheeta's been a part of? Yeah, that Sheeta has no. been a part of, where that's the title defense is a part of it. No. Right, I, I can't either. Um, but I think this is it. I do, yes. I think this is it, too. She And, you know, she got to help produce and uh, produce the uh, Japanese side, and... This is all... Seeing... This entire great tournament is all just for the, the right to fight Sheeta. It makes her feel very important, which it, sh- they, it should. And, you know we're getting to see all these new performers that, you know, you and I are not familiar with. Um, Rin Ryo Katakura. Oh yeah. Ryo Mizunami is someone that's been like yeah. a huge standout to me. Like, yeah, totally. I have enjoyed, we, we are recording this just after watching the um, finals of the Japanese side. Yeah. Uh, totally. Where Ryu faced Yuka Sakazaki and man, that match was very good. That was an, absolutely awesome match i i've been honestly just blown away by the by the quality of of these matches like um emmy sakura versus venny like it's been so cool to me what was i can't remember exactly what venny's but i think it was like the genderless icon or something like that i think I was so like, yeah was, venny was great yeah venny was uh, freaking awesome yeah ryu mizunami like and you know her facing maki ito like maki ito has been such a great shining personality and has been able to like been be built after losing from the first match has just been had enough screen time and like has been able to get her personality over so much on twitter that like i feel like she's going to be on AEW television like i just feel yeah like the headbutt she throws and then just the uh, her, like falling headbutts make me laugh so much man yeah they're so good i fucking love that and venny uh, throwing down that uh liger bomb uh venny's liger bombs venny's um moonsaults like super sick um yeah man i've i've been i've been so into this tournament uh aja kong has been very cool to see aja kong um i really yeah and ryo mizunami with a big win over aja kong that was huge Uh, ryo versus aja kong that was another standout match yuka sakazaki versus emi sakura like the teacher versus the star pupil like that's great, yes, and that was really cool. So fucked up, Emmy Sakura and AW. I'm not saying they did it or she did it. Like someone decided, I'm gonna go out there looking like Freddie Mercury every time <laughs> with like half a fucking um, microphone, like a discount Tai Chi with a goddamn mustache. The first thing I said when I saw <laughs> Emmy in the first match was like, "No mustache, we're doing good." She came out like a queen, with flanked by like her subjects and stuff like that. Because that is her stature. She is like a wrestling legend in Japan. She trained like three or four of the people in this tournament, including the champion, Hikaru Shida. And like, she should be, she shouldn't be a joke. She's like, I'm royalty. And like, she's been a heel. That's been awesome. So even her matches against like, yeah, uh, Yuka have been better than they were when Previously. she first. Yeah, presentation first is, everything. I, I is everything. I absolutely agree. Yeah, because before like, I don't know. Yeah, commentary tried very hard to sell that. Like, she loves Freddie Mercury. So that was like the thing that I feel like. 
it's the like, prohibition okay, was all. What does that have to do with like <laughs> anything? Her in rain, like, but then she's this story at least magical that, girl. Like, like makes you know, you're a magical girl. Yeah. You have more power than you should have in your tiny frame, and that's what you're going to do in the ring. And that it's makes, that is abstract enough to not be distracting. Where like, yeah, this and then, but within this tournament, yeah, um, just seeing the way that they presented Emi Sakura and how like how hard she's going as a heel in this, like. In the most recent uh, Eliminator show, Maki Ito was on her team. Yeah. And at the end, she's stomping her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like uh, that just, and, and it just seems, and just having those other two, the two sort of like flanked by those two, uh, the two other wrestlers, like it just makes um, Emi Sakura feel the way she should, which is this like legendary performer who's very good and yeah. i i'd be curious because i'm sure that if we went back and watched the matches she was in they would would be great but because at the time the i feel like that presentation definitely for the both of us at least we did not connect with us on any level yeah um, and i think i think jo joshy wrestling i think just takes like a second sometimes but um i just want to shout out my uh two favorite matches uh of the tournament uh in the in the uh, the final one that yeah. we just watched, Rio Mizunami versus Yuka Sakazaki, incredible like, match, absolutely like, incredible match. Like I implore you to watch it. Tony Khan just put it on uh, YouTube because Bleacher Report <laughs> so colossally fucked up the uh, launch. The if I have a criticism of the tournament, it's that they've uh, put it on different nights. They haven't put enough of it on Dynamite when they absolutely could have. Like they could have put more of the American stuff on Dynamite. Um, Especially when the match on Dynamite, Riho versus Serena Deeb, was, in my opinion, the best uh, match of the whole tournament. Well, and if there's been a, a bunch of the, uh, not that I really like care too much about this, but like, um, seen a lot of like read a lot of posts online about how those the um, eliminated tournament segments on Dynamite were some of the highest rate rating segments. Yeah, so I don't buy like you weeks. can't have more than two, like more than one women's match on the on the thing, and. I've been really critical of when they put the women's match at, at the top of the hour, which is typically right. kind of like the lull of the show. Um, yeah. When I think I'm pretty sure this had a, a, a sweet spot in the show. It was that like uh, it was like the second or third match, like seven forty-five. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Anyway, um, love the Eliminators tournament. I can't wait to see who. Oh, you is... said you had two standout matches. What was the other one? Rio Re versus oh. Serena Deep. Oh. Oh. And oh, Yuka Sakazaki versus versus Rio. Rio, yeah. yeah, got it. Not yeah. to say that they're like Thunder Rosa versus Rio from the last one was great. Rio versus Aya Kong was great. Yuka versus Emi Sakura was great. Now the Rose versus Tai Conti was great. Aya versus Rin Katakura was great. Rio versus Makito was Every great. Every match on the Emi Sakura was versus Venny was great. Yuka Sakura versus Mesa Ruka was great. They were all great. Watch these matches. They're, I think most of them are free online. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see like how this shakes out afterwards. Uh, so our prediction initially, which I think we were very, like, almost too confident about, was that Britt Baker was going to win the whole tournament and go right. on to uh, face um, Sheeta and win. Sheeta at Revolution and win. She lost in the semis of the American side. So, like, basically the quarterfinals of the tournament. Um, so now we're going to see Thunder Rosa versus Nyla Rose. Who do you think is winning that? Um... They're both heels, so it makes sense for either of them to go against uh, like a face Rio. Right. Um, I, I, it's tough because I would have assumed that the winner would have been from the American side. 
Um, that's what I thought, you know, because the Japanese oh, wrestlers yeah. weren't there for the whole time. They were, it was just there to build up someone from from actual AEW. But now yeah. that I'm thinking that some of these people are going to get signed to AEW, like I very much believe that. If they don't sign Maki Ito, they're like, they're crazy. I'm not sure how much she's open to it. Maybe she wants to stay in Japan. Yeah, I, but like, I would think it would be the other way. Yeah, probably that. Like, maybe she wants to but stay But anyway, an open partnership, certainly where they can come for some part of the year and just like have great matches and build to a pay-per-view and have great matches. Um, I honestly, at this point, don't know who's going to win because... I don't either. Yeah, because what you're seen... saying is... Sorry, go ahead. What you're saying is very true because right now, the only AEW wrestler in it is Nyla Rose. Yeah. And it's AEW... I uh, cannot and... imagine that Nyla Rose is going to face Sheeta again because she's already faced Sheeta several times. I'm like, yeah. why would you use a tournament to build up Nyla Rose who's like the first AEW or second AEW Women's Champion and yes. had a pretty dominant reign? And has fought, faced Sheeta twice already in the last year. Yeah. I think, I really think it might be, I don't know, like, I think it'll be Thunder Rosa or Rio Mizunami. I don't think it'll be Nyla. And no, I think, I think, I mean, Nyla could go on because she's been such a dominant, like, champ in the past. She could go on to get a huge uh, victory from, I almost think that would be the, the, the more compelling match, like Rio getting one over um, Nyla. Nyla. But, I also kind of can see Thunder Rosa winning to like really solidify her as like a huge main eventer in AEW, uh, which they've done a good right. job. Like her and her and Deeb have been have done a good job. But I was surprised that Thunder Rosa didn't keep the NWA title because she well, maybe keep... that's why though. Like, what if Thunder Rosa wins this whole thing, it beats Sheeta, and then double or but, nothing is Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa. Britt Baker wins. Man, so many exciting possibilities. Like, I cannot wait to see where all this goes. Yeah, so um, this episode uh, is going to have the return of, of, of a classic segment that we've had for most of uh, our <laughs> most of our runtime, but we've just sort of forgotten oh, yes. to do it. The return of the classic match segment. Uh, I was recommended a match by our fantastic guest, brave Billy Avery, and that was Samoa Joe versus the Necro Butcher from IWA Mid South Wrestling's Something to Prove event, June eleventh, two thousand and fifteen. What's the deal, Paisan? Yells an exuberant Eddie Kingston, who joins Dave Prezak and CM Punk on commentary. As an exceptionally young Samoa Joe struts confidently to the ring in what appears to be a bingo hall of no more than 200 people. His face is soon joined less than an inch away by the face of the unkempt Necro Butcher, who, sporting a black and white Choose Death t-shirt, resembles uncannily the late great Brody Lee. Bryce Remsburg tries to separate the two before the match begins, but is launched like a sack of potatoes to the turnbuckle by the butcher. His authority not to be questioned, he returns to the furious pair, only to be launched over the top ropes by Samoa Joe. No mere man will get between these two snarling beasts. The crowd goes wild as they exchange furious forearm strikes before Joe's insiguri sends Necro tumbling out of the ring. Not to let this momentum go to waste, Joe launches himself out for a tope suicida that would bring Excalibur to his feet. Soon the crowd is dispersed as Necro and Joe brawl into the crowd, an immediately crimson butcher picking up chairs from the audience and throwing them at Joe's head with seemingly no regard for his well-being. The chaos has only just begun. Joe fights back, throwing his own chairs at the Necro Butcher and hitting a huge power slam on Necro that seemed to somehow drive him into his forehead? Five minutes into the match, Necro is bleeding like Ric Flair and Samoa shows no mercy, 
stomping his head into the mat. Necro hits the ropes and nails Joe with a big boot. While Joe is immobilized, Necro removes a guardrail from the crowd, bringing it back into the ring and throwing it into the head of Joe. Joe, apparently not taking too kindly to this, sets Necro up for the goriest move I've ever seen in my entire life. Joe, standing on the apron, grapples Necro and hits him with an urinagi that drops him right onto his forehead outside the ring. Necro's head honestly seems to explode at this point into a stream of blood. If I were watching this match live today, I would be convinced that something had gone horribly wrong and that I was about to watch a man die. Joe, not concerned, drags Necro back into the ring, sets up the guardrail on the turnbuckle, and power bombs Necro's shoulder and neck onto it. Necro, in this match, has accepted more punishment than just about anybody I've ever seen, and it is still not over. Joe sets up a folding chair and German suplexes Necro right onto it, goes for the pin. Now, if I were Necro's manager, I would definitely advise him to stay down. But unfortunately, Necro has no such counsel to look out for his well-being, and he kicks out at two. Joe then picks up Necro, delirious and with a face drenched in blood, and nails him with a few chest chops that land more like opening salvos than showstoppers. That perhaps minuscule moment of mercy from Joe gave Necro the opportunity to lean back into the ropes and greet Joe with a few very, very stiff punches to the face. Joe not taking too kindly to that, thank you very much, returns Volley with a vicious set of palm and then knee strikes to the face, the final of which makes the Kamagoye look like Shane McMahon's worked punches. Once again, if I were Necro's counsel at this point, I would advise him to stay down. As he starts to stumble to his feet, Joe hits him with a huge kick to the side of the head that I can only describe as a real full force kick to the side of the head. Referee Bryce Remsburg, rather than calling the police to report a murder, counts to 10 as Necro, I imagine, very honestly cannot get back up. The bell rings and Joe has won the match. Joe, not seeming to leave well enough alone, starts poking the beast, putting his boot in the face of the fallen Necro. Suddenly, as if to say, it's okay, Mark, I'm not dead, Necro Butcher is back to his feet, laying huge punches to Joe outside the ring. However, this match is not sanctioned to continue, and so outside staff hold Necro Butcher back as Joe, realizing that now might be an excellent time to leave, jogs briskly up the ramp. This match is probably the only match that, I've, that we have reviewed on this program that is better heard reviewed by us than actually watched. This was the most brutal thing I've ever seen in my entire life, and I just hope Necro Butcher's okay. To be honest, like to this day, I hope he has uh, function in all of his limbs and I hope that he does not have chronic exploding bleeding of the forehead. Um, you watch prob- probably does. He uh, probably yeah, does. Dude, this match, um, I watched, I saw this match like when I wasn't really like paying too close attention to wrestling, um, but I was still reading like Reddit threads and stuff where I watched like crazy death matches that were posted. Um, right. But yeah, dude, the. Um, that match is extremely hard to watch and listening to your recap of it because I watched we watched it together like it just like makes me it makes my it makes my head hurt you did a good job of um, articulating just how devastating a lot of that match actually is it's not like it's like and we're not being hyperbolic and it's not uh devastating in the way where it's like wow that Ishii match was really hard hitting but everyone is okay afterwards it's like 
I don't know if those, I mean, they're fine, obviously, because they're no, still No, it's like things that are not like, possible to be worked. Like, it's yeah. like the part in the Ishii match where he actually headbutts the guy really, really hard, and we're like, whoa, calm down. It's like a lot of that. It's a lot of yes. like, I am going to drop you onto your head, and your head is going to explode open. Uh, I don't know how they did that. That was like, I don't know how they did that. I don't know. I mean, like, I just think a lot of it's like, just like they actually just did it, you know? I know, but it's like, anyway, yeah. I just don't know like, how, like, they were like, oh, I'm going to do that, and then you won't, like, die or pass out. I just don't. Anyway, good stuff. Thank you for the recommendation, <laughs> Brave Billy Avery. Uh, Dude, I, I did enjoy rewatching it. I did uh, enjoy and, yeah. watching it. I'm, um, I'm, not sad, I'm not mad I watched it. And honestly, that thing that I just wrote, I didn't pause that match while I was writing that. Like, that just flowed from my fingertips as I watched it because it was so compelling. So, Dude, I'm as it should. I watched it. This has been another episode of the Torture Rack Podcast. You can follow my co-host, John F. Malta, at John F. Malta on all social media. You can follow me, Mark Basque, at Waste of Taste on Instagram. You can follow Torture Rack on Instagram, on our website. And guys, if you like the episode, feel free to leave us a review. It helps us find new people to join the Torture Rack Wolf Pack.